It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hey, good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the show. With you till 11 o'clock this morning. Following up on a big Illini victory last night at the State Farm Center, 75-66 over Michigan State. Mr. Tate, how you doing? I'm doing good. That was a lot of Palooza last night, wasn't it? <laughs> That's a big word there for <laughs> I know, you. I could hardly get it out. But mm-hmm. I I just thought that, uh, you know, everything, uh, the way it's stacked up and Michigan State playing so well and shooting all those layups, I mean... We're looking up the record to see if that's the most layups anybody ever made against Illinois. There's no such record anywhere. It sure felt like it. My goodness. Do you know when that score was 60-51, to about four more minutes, four or five more minutes into the second half, they had shot 17 layups and dunks against Illinois. Made. I mean, several were blocked. Right. But, uh, by the way, 10 blocks, huh? The re- school record is what, 14? 14. And uh, Matthew Meyer had six of those himself. Yeah, yeah he did. I mean, he, he played a, just a terrific game. It was interesting to hear him them talk about the fact that that Shannon uh, went to the bench and said told, uh, told Underwood, he says, take me out. He said, get the ball to Meyer. He's hot. He's, he's on a roll. And, and they did that. And, and Underwood said that he thought they must have done it 12 consecutive times and Meyer said he thought it was 15. <laughs> I mean, they just ran the same play over and over between him and Danger. Right. And Danger was playing well, too, at that point. Yeah, uh, Shannon was uh, asked to go back in, or at least uh, Underwood inquired about that. He said, let it go. They're cooking. <laughs> yeah, they're cooking, right. <laughs> they were cooking. And they were cooking. And uh, that was a, a heck of a basketball game that had some ups and downs. It wasn't pretty all the time. Illinois got down by nine. Ended up winning by nine, and improved to uh, three and three in the Big Ten now, and uh, twelve and five overall. Michigan State dropped to uh, four and two in the league. But can you imagine playing a basketball game in this era without a three-point made shot? Zero for seven. They were zero for two. Uh, Michigan State was zero for two at the half, and I thought they're not going to. You know, they're so successful with their drives and their little short shots. Why would they ever shoot a three? And as it turned out, they did shoot a few in the second half, but never did make one. When you can get all those layups, you don't worry about yeah. uh, shooting threes. But the first time in 15 years that uh, Illinois held a team without a three-pointer, and that well, was Michigan State. One of the uh, items in, in the in the pregame preparation was was a statement by Underwood that if they made as many as four, they usually won. And if you could hold them under five or, you know, under five or four, that you, you would have a, a better chance. So we really did guard the, the, the arc well, but I thought we overguarded pretty badly in the first half in terms of getting, letting guys get around. They were, we were guarding so tight on the, on the perimeter that, uh, you know, that's, that, that allows a guy to make a fake and, get, and dribble around, and they did that repeatedly. We do have the phone line open. Our scheduled guests on the show between now and 11 o'clock are Jack Ebling, who uh, has covered Michigan State for a long time. Kendall Gill will join us at 930 to talk some 
high school, college, and pro hoops. Doug Altenberger will be with us as well. Will Leach and Matt Stevens is the lineup. Let's go to Alan in Montrose. Good morning, Alan. What's on your mind? Morning, guys. Uh, nice win last night. I sure like you guys. I thought they were too quick for us, and we weren't going to be able to stay up with them. But uh, we did. Danger had a terrific game. My terrific game. But it was strange to see how Shannon started out 15 of the first 18 points and then didn't score another point until the last two free throws. Uh, the one thing that concerned me all week long has showed up now. Since Guy Clark left, we're down to two guards. And now we might be down to one guard. I was really <clears throat> concerned about the depth of the guard position. I'm wondering how they're going to rectify that. I don't think that kid the middle is going to be able to help us very much because the only way is 50 pounds. Well, Harris is uh, Harris was almost went back in the game. Yeah. I mean, he was actually on the verge of going back in. He was riding a bicycle after. He's not hurt. I mean, he, oh, he really? made, okay. I mean, he's got a bruised knee. He's bruised. And right. he he tweeted overnight to said, "Hey, I'm fine." Yeah, yeah. And and I I saw Underwood tell him to go in, and then Underwood had second thoughts about it and told him, "Well, I'll come back. Don't you don't need to go in now." And and so, uh, but um, you know. Uh, if if Epps is doing a good job, not a great job, he's doing a good job, uh, sufficiently on defense, I think, and and enough on offensively. Uh, he is a natural scorer, but you know you can a guy like that can play a lot of minutes, and and they can, they can get by with with uh, different people. He's not a point guard, is what I'm trying to say. He might be playing the position, but he's not a natural point guard. The natural, most natural passer we got out there is probably Coleman Hawkins, and I don't, I don't, I think you can, you know, I'm not worried about the, I'm, I think that as time goes by, we'll see that this team is is okay without a point guard. Well, Shannon brought the ball up a lot last night too. So. Well, who brings it up doesn't matter. It's who runs the offense on the offensive end. I mean, anybody okay. can bring it up. You can have Danger bring it up. What's the difference? But uh, okay, uh, I mean, if they're not guarding him, what's the difference? What well, the what well, team decides to start pressing us? I would. Who's going <laughs> Who's going to break it down? Well, it's some whoever's got it. You pass it down there. I mean, if one guy doesn't do it. It's not a one man game. I mean, every, that's you, true. But usually, it's the point guard that breaks that press if he's good enough. Well, it could be, and yet uh, when we saw the women play, uh, their point guard was the problem. I mean, I, I love Cook, but she made some really bad turnovers in that game when they had a 17-point lead. I'm just saying that the uh, if you got a point guard like Smith at Purdue, that's great. But if you don't have one, you just play without one. And that's what they're doing. They're playing without a point guard. Are they planning on playing that kid to middle East? I don't think so. I don't think they okay. are. I don't think that's in the plan. But, you know, that's like asking me, are they going to play the kid from France? I mean, the way Danger's playing I and the way they're playing, I don't know if they if they want to uh, throw him in there, but he's playing well enough. It just depends on how well they play in practice. If, if they show in practice that they're as good or better than the people ahead of them, well, then they're going to play. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. I thought that was the idea to get him enrolled. But maybe it's just to get him used to practice. Well, yeah. It really helped Danger working against Kofi all last year. Yeah. That was big. That's, That's huge. 
he's got some good footwork. Yeah, he's... and his free throws, his free throws has improved too. You can see it off coming off his hand a lot better than it was before. Yeah, he's worked on it hard. Yep. So I got guys. Okay, Alan. Thanks. Appreciate it. One other Big Ten game last night: Purdue beat Nebraska, seventy-three fifty-five. Kind of a milestone game there for the Boilermakers. Their nineteenth, nineteen hundredth career win in and college basketball. What was it for Painter? Four hundred. Four hundred. Right. He had four mm-hmm. of those. Yeah. About four hundred of those. Nineteen hundred program wins. If you're curious, Illinois is sitting on with the win last night. Illinois sitting on eighteen seventy. 1870, and 990 Big Ten all-time wins. So a milestone coming up there. You see in that game that Edie didn't have a shot in the first 16 minutes. He did four minutes to go in the half. He got his first shot. which And Lawyer made a whole bunch of threes, and he wound up with 27 points. It's, I, without getting to see much of the game, which I didn't because of other business here, uh, it looked like Lawyer was taking advantage of the double team. And he is a very good uh, spot-up shooter, and he's made baskets in the last several games under high pressure. In fact, he won one game and, and made another clutch basket in another game. So I just uh, – you got to be careful when you double Edie that you don't leave a guy like that open. Make somebody else shoot it. One game in the Big Ten today, number 18, Wisconsin at Indiana, 12 noon game. That's the only game on the Big Ten schedule today. There are three more tomorrow. The Illini women back in action tomorrow as well. At Minnesota, the Illini women ranked 24th. 9-10 is the time. We'll take our first break and be back with more. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online PellaofChampagne.com. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. It is 12 minutes after 9 o'clock. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 11 o'clock, as always, here on DWS. Talking about that Illinois win over Michigan State last night, 75-66 at the State Farm Center. A sold-out crowd on hand for Paint the Hall Orange night. We say good morning to Jack Ebling from uh, The Drive up in East Lansing. How you doing, Jack? Hey, Steve. How you doing? Is your partner there? Oh, yeah. He's awake. <laughs> All right. That's good. That's good to hear. Can't do it without him. <laughs> I thought maybe he'd be looking at uh, St. Louis Cardinals minor league tape or something. <laughs> Already did that. <laughs> yeah, he had the Cardinal Caravan the, in, yeah, we, in I, town yesterday, I too. Was, I was at the Cardinal Caravan and, and learned a little bit about the Cardinals and a whole lot about the guys that were talking at the mic. So, <laughs> But uh, in any case, Jack, what did you think last night? It looked like uh, Michigan State had the same successful uh, run going, that uh, you know, at least for about 24 minutes. And then it all turned. Yeah, uh, I have a lot of respect for Illinois, maybe more than some of the people who've watched every game. But 
I understand now what Tom Izzo meant when he said Illinois is the most talented team in the league. He didn't say the best team, but uh, he has a lot of respect for what Illinois can do. And uh, Terrence Shannon was terrific at the start of the game and disappeared. And uh, I just thought Matthew Meyer was the difference. Michigan State had no answer. And when Malik Hall went out with about, I think, 820 it was to go in the game, uh, you know, they were just on fumes. Uh, Joey Hauser didn't have anything left, and the better team won. Well, it was amazing to watch all those layups, all the dribble drives. They weren't getting any assists. These are all dribble drives by... But Very un-Michigan State-like. Yeah, and and it was killing Illinois. I told uh, Steve, I counted them up. I counted 17 layups and dunks in the first, Oh, uh, well, at at the point where it was 61 to 50, which is about five or six minutes into the second half. Uh, they, they were just breaking the Illinois defense down something fierce, and then all of a sudden, Illinois seemed to figure it out. Illinois did a great job, Lauren, of – preventing Michigan State of getting looks from beyond the arc. And mm-hmm. the first time in nearly 10 years that they didn't hit a three-pointer. And they didn't get many shots. Yeah, it, it was it was a, it was was interesting the way that game worked out. Illinois had uh, just five turnovers. They've been making double-digit turnovers game after game, but they were more careful last yeah. night. And uh, that really pays off because Illinois was getting off shots and they outscored Michigan State 18 to nothing on three-pointers, and that's hard to overcome. Um, right. And, and the two that Meyer hit really brought the crowd into it. I mean, three-pointers yeah. are really great for the crowd. They, they just go crazy oh, yeah. on that. And, and those two, uh, and, the, and the score reached uh, 60 all, and then Illinois closed out with a really strong finish. So I'm, I'm not sure uh, this uh, – it's interesting to me that the philosophy that both coaches have taken. On one hand, um, yeah. Underwood's gone with the, with the transfers. Obviously, we had three key transfers right. in that game last night that were big. And then on the other hand, Izzo has elected this year this year uh, not to take any transfers. He got four freshmen coming yeah. in next year, but uh, he's. I think he. Uh, I think he thinks that the togetherness is is really important. He's got a veteran team that is together. And they'd won seven in a row going into this game. Yeah, and maybe he's a Neanderthal in some ways, but he doesn't like that. Now, he's taken transfers. Joey Hauser mm-hmm. was a transfer from Marquette, and Tyson Walker was a transfer from Northeastern. But he is not going to live in the portal, and he's very outspoken about it. Uh, so you, know, you could say, well, it'd be hypocritical for him to take guys, but uh, I thought one of the big differences, and I'm not saying that it, it was the calls were bad, but just the number of them uh, definitely worked in Illinois' favor. And, Lauren, you'll appreciate this. Michigan State played Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin does as good a job as any team in the country of defending without fouling. Mm-hmm. I mean, many times you'll see Wisconsin – go a week and never put a team in the bonus. Mm-hmm. And the Badgers had 18 fouls. I think they had two or three at the end of the game, but they had at least 16 fouls that were legitimate. And last night, Illinois didn't have many fouls. And I think if you can do that, you can keep a team off the line and um, really make them work for everything. Plus, then you get guys sitting. I know Illinois had a couple guys who went to the bench, but 
but by and large, I think uh, they did a great job of of not getting guys, uh, you know, getting in early foul trouble. Talking to Jack Ebling, is it too early after just six Big Ten games for most people so far to start wondering who's the second best team in the league? <laughs> no, I think that's fair. Uh, I think a lot of people a week ago might have said Ohio State. Right. Uh, you know, I don't think that's wearing very well. Uh, Michigan State came into the game last night tied with Purdue, and you can say, "Hey, you uh, you lead most of the way, uh, State Farm Center. You know, you're pretty good." Um, I don't know about that. I'm not sure how this team will will be if Lee Call can't come back, or you know, if this is a persistent problem, and I think it could be. Uh, not the same team. So I think you can take teams two through ten and just toss them up and, and draw them out of a hat. My my choice for the second-best team in the league is Rutgers. But it could be Illinois. It could be Michigan State. It could be somebody we haven't even talked about yet. And Michigan State has a chance to find out firsthand on Monday. You've got Purdue up there, right? Yeah, uh, good luck with that one. <laughs> uh, unless they let the centers uh, use tennis rackets, uh, I don't like Michigan State's chances. By the way, uh, your centers, you, they really outplayed danger that first half. I know that Carson Cooper came in the game and, and, and scored three baskets. Uh, Sissoko yeah. was, was uh, you know, fairly effective, I thought, and at and, least and in, in holding him off. And uh, I don't know who uh, Holloman is, but they – he came in and got a basket. Uh, it was kind of it was kind of interesting to see that uh, it was working out just the way Izzo planned it for that full half. I thought, and and then of course uh, everything reversed. And we're seeing that a lot. I mean, I'm not sure why. I don't yeah. completely understand yeah. it, but the runs are a huge part of basketball these days. Three point shooting is a huge part, and uh, you know, in that second half, Illinois just made a stronger run as you're ever going to see. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you, Izzo certainly didn't expect Dane Danger to go four for five at the line or whatever he was, five mm-hmm. for six? I don't know. Yeah, four for five, yeah. Uh, we talked about that uh, on the show here this week, Warren, and, you know, talking yep. about the danger zone. But when he was stepping to the line there, Michigan said, well, you know, uh, maybe he'll split. He's not going to make them both, and he looked pretty good. Yeah, he was shooting. Let me see. Uh, he was shooting forty-eight percent on free throws going into the game. He's twenty-four out of fifty, but he has been improving. And this is his first year of college basketball playing, and he's he's getting better all the time. I, the interesting thing to me is that Underwood set up his his uh, his style, his scheme without danger in the beginning. He had five guy. He was going to have five guys of uh, without a center. And play them, yeah. you know, and 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 play them defensively. You're going to switch every position. That just didn't work. And Danger scored 65 points in the first four games and never got a start for the first 12 games. And finally, uh, he's now, of course, he's in the lineup now. But I don't think, and, and of course, they had to change the offense and the defense to to take care of him because they're playing basically the the Kofi Coburn offense now to a great extent, to yeah. some extent at least. But with a postman in there, and defensively, they are not switching all five positions anymore because it just didn't work. 
He's got that spin move down in the post. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. And uh, he, he gets the basket in a hurry. Well, he does. Jack, the last time we had you on this particular program was the day of the Illinois-Michigan State football game that turned out to be played in a yeah. tornado. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you didn't like Michigan State's chances ahead of that ball game, and they, oh. uh, they came out and pulled a, a pretty good victory. Was that their best win of the year? Yes. Yes. And I think that was a, a pretty decent Illinois team. I think uh, should have beaten Michigan. Yeah. Really controlled that game, and there were a couple of calls late in that game. Uh, I, I'm not a referee basher. I think it's a, especially basketball officiating, is a near impossible job. But there were a couple of calls there where I really thought Illinois got hosed and uh, probably deserved to win that game. And uh, if it had, then, hey, Michigan might have been spared that humiliation against TCU. Well, I'm going to tell you what. If I got a fourth and five or fourth and eight play, I'm going to run. I'm going to. I'm going to go ahead and block for my receiver if I can, because I'm probably going to get away with it. Officials don't call that very much. That was the key play in that in that game. Right. It was fourth right. down. It was fourth down, and they had to make that yardage. and And the and the tight end just went out and blocked our guy, <laughs> and and yeah. our defender, and and the and the receiver caught the ball for a ten yard gain or so, and it was a first down, and that was the ball game. And I, you know, I, I, but I don't think officials. You have to be looking for that in order to call it. You have to be alert to that. The problem was that evidently Bielema had seen this before and was alerted to it, but the official wasn't. And that's why he was so mad about it because, you know, you're always mad about something you anticipate, and then it happens. You think, well, wait a minute. If I, you know, how come that wasn't called? And, you know, that was, that was a heartbreaker. The official before the snap, hey, watch this, watch this, because uh, if he did – uh, then I really have a problem with it. I think one of the things we get into, guys, is officials say, well, we don't want to determine the outcome. Yeah. And then they make up their own rules at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, if you're going to call something, then if it's a penalty in the first quarter, it's a penalty in the last minute. By the way, at the game last night was Ted Hillary. And Ted, oh, I, I talked buddy. to him, and a former official, of course, and a great one. Uh, and he told me that he's not working for any conference. He's working for the NCA, and they are in the business. He yeah. is part of the of the business of trying to select the officials for the NCA tournament. That's what he was doing. Right. And, and I, there were two early charges in that game, you remember, against Michigan State right off the bat. And I looked up there, and boy, he was really scribbling on a piece of <laughs> paper. I thought, well, he's writing down something. I don't know if he su- supported those calls or not, but I, I thought they were pretty good calls, but, you know. That, that's yeah. just my version of it. But anyway, I don't t- know how well you know Ted, but I think he's as good a college basketball official as I've ever seen. Absolutely. And for a different reason, guys, uh, where I would sit down on the baseline, right under the basket, I can't tell you how many times he would talk to players and talk them mm-hmm. out of situations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people say, well, you shouldn't be talking to players. Well, you can prevent trouble down there. Yeah. And he did that more than anybody else. You know, I I was going to do his book. It never got written. But he has more stories. Hmm. Have you had him as a guest on your show? Well, we haven't, no. You should. Well, I don't. The officials are sometimes hard to get on shows. They'd rather not. But, you know, I I, I should have asked him last night, I guess. I I did talk to him. He's not roughing, so he can. Yeah. uh, I think he can do that for you. He's really good. 
Yeah, he's, he, I Very thought smart. he was as good as any official that I've seen. I thought yeah. you could put him – he said his knee's bad. I said, well, you could put him on a half court in, sitting in a chair and he'd make the calls. <laughs> he could do it as good right, as anybody right. else. Jack, right. do you have any uh, thoughts on who should be the next Big Ten commissioner? Well, I was going to say Lauren, but, <laughs> you know, they they only want to give him a 10-year contract, <laughs> and I'm not sure That's not enough. he wants to go that long. So what do you guys think? What do you know, what do you know about Jim Phillips? Uh, I, I know that he was the leading candidate in a lot of people's mind mm-hmm. the last time, right? And then the ACC snapped him up. Yeah, I, I just I wonder if he'll leave the the ACC this quick, three years or so. But um, in any case, they're going to have to. The, the thing that that is a talk right now is going towards somebody with a legal background because it's the courts that are deciding a lot of this stuff and maybe you need somebody that can that's familiar in that area that can maybe uh, accomplish some things uh, legally you know all I want to see about sports Jack is that it be as close to and I know it'll never be the same as close to what we once felt was a, a great collegiate model yeah it's leaving yeah. that in a hurry and if we go toward oh, yeah. Uh, if we go toward players as employees, we've we've lost it all. Got a question? I'm hearing uh, a lawyer. I'm hearing someone with broadcast background. Everyone wants someone who's a businessman. I want someone who understands uh, what collegiate athletics are supposed to be, because uh, you know there are a lot of really smart guys. Uh, but it's like George Perlis said, you know, they didn't put him in charge of the cyclotron. So, uh, you know, guys can come in, but if they don't have an athletic background and, and really understand all the moving parts here, um, and I'm not sure that, that Kevin Warren really got the Big Ten in the time he was here. Got a quick question for you about Michigan State from Chris in Muhammad. Chris, you're on with Jack Ebling. Go ahead. Hi guys, uh, Jack is here's how uh, how is Gus Gadakis, uh doing? I, he used to do some color guys for you on the uh, radio call on the Michigan State Radio Network. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Gus passed away a few years ago, and uh, he was a tremendous asset for Michigan State uh, after he was replaced as coach. You know, you think a guy is fired and he's going to be bitter, and uh, all he did was work another 40 years in various capacities, broadcast team and fundraising in the athletic department. And he was a, a close advisor, confidant for Tom Izzo. Uh, he was a great guy. I, I always, I know he got in a little trouble or at least seemed like it. Uh, got some criticism because his, his, he played his son some. And I think every coach that yeah. plays their son gets in trouble, don't they? Yeah, right. It doesn't work that well. <laughs> I talking to uh to Izzo about that and I said you know the problem is uh your son great guy he's just not very good <laughs> uh he certainly uh Jawan Howard's got you beat there <laughs> hey Jack appreciate your time as always good to talk to you all right guys uh maybe we'll see you at the Big Ten tournament yep have a good weekend thank you Jack okay. Bye. moving up on uh, 9 30 we're going to talk to Kendall Gill coming up a couple of Questions on uh, the text line. We talked about one of them a little bit earlier, but uh, people tune in at different times. It appears that uh, Sincere 
Harris's knee is okay. Yeah. Just yeah. a bruise, and he should be fine. He texted that information. And a question about uh, Luke Goody. He had a doctor's appointment out of town on Thursday. And we didn't find out for sure of anything last night, did we? We didn't last night, and we didn't on Thursday because uh, Brad had not talked to the uh, trainers and doctors um, after that meeting uh, in, uh, I think it was Indianapolis where they went. Don't you think it'll take a couple of weeks after he starts practice? Yeah, although he, uh, Luke tweeted uh, that he's feeling good. He feels like he's in really good shape, but that doesn't necessarily translate to basketball shape. Yeah. But, no, I, yeah, I think I think you, you'll see him this month, and we're halfway through the month, so in the next week or so maybe, next two weeks. I don't know. We'll see. But the, that's all the answer we have at this point. So we'll take a break and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Hey, Illini family. It's Illini women's basketball coach Shauna Green. Don't miss a minute of Illini basketball this season on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM DWS. It is 9.32, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Day with you until 11 o'clock this morning. We say good morning to our friend, Illinois Hall of Famer Kendall Gill. Joins us for a few minutes. KG, how are you? All right, how you doing, Steve? How you doing, Lauren? Good morning. We're good so far. I want to talk some hoops with you for a few minutes. Let's start on the, the high school level. Give us an update on uh, Phoenix and how the uh, St. Ignatius team is doing. Uh, well, they're going through a rough stretch right now, but Phoenix is doing well. Uh, of course, he's just a sophomore, so uh, he's continuing to learn the game and, uh, you know, doing really, really well for a, a sophomore and, uh you know, I'm just hoping that uh, he continues to grow. And, uh, you know, we got the – I think we have 13 games left and we got the state tournament coming up. So, you know, hopefully he'll continue to play well and, and they'll get back down state again. This won't be the last time we ask you this question, but how is Kendall Gill, the father, dealing with uh, <laughs> the recruiting process? Uh, of course, uh, Phoenix has an offer from Illinois. Otherwise, how's that going? It's, it's going well. Uh, you know, he's, he's garnering a lot of uh, interest uh, from uh, about two or three Big Ten schools. And, uh, you know, he's, I, I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, that he will go to Illinois. But it, it, at the end, uh, it's his decision. Uh, and, you know, I, it, it's hard for me to control myself. <laughs> but... <laughs> but but I but I but I'm trying, you know. But he did he did wear my uh, Letterman's jacket to college day, uh, <laughs> St. Ignatius uh, Friday. So I was happy to see that. Well, talk about this uh, Illinois team a little bit, uh, Kendall. What did you think last night? Did were you able to watch it? Uh, I wasn't able to watch it last night because I had a Bulls game. Um, okay. But uh, did they end up winning? Oh yeah, yeah. They put on okay. right. a rally in the second half. They. Uh, we're down 60-51 to 51 with about 14, 15 minutes to go, and then just made a rush to the end. Really good finish. Okay, well, that's good. I mean, well, yeah. That's good. I mean, that's, that's, three, that's, that's three big wins now with uh, Wisconsin and Nebraska and, uh, and now uh, winning again. You know, I know we've gone through some rough rough patches where, you know, we, we've lost some games that we should have won. But, uh, you know, that's what type of coach Brad Underwood is. I mean, you know, he – Sometimes things may happen where, you know, things aren't going so well, but he will eventually rally the troops. And, you know, that's what I love about him. You know, this team has a lot 
of, of talent. Um, you know, I was really excited when they when they beat UCLA and then beat, uh, I believe that was Texas, uh, early in the season in New York. So, you know, I'm still really excited about uh, what they bring to the table. And, you know, hopefully, you know, down towards the end of the season, they can peak, which is when you really want uh, your team playing the best is right around now, January, February, going into March. Kendall, what do you think, uh, having been with a team of mostly Illini players, Illinois recruits when you played, and Illinois, the University of Illinois have, was in that mode for many, many years under Lou Henson and before that with Harry Combs and all the way back to Doug Mills and all the, uh, the players that were, were coming from the state. And now we're seeing transfers. We're seeing overseas guy. We got a guy. We got a big center from France. We got a guard coming from from uh, Australia who was from Italy. Uh, what's your take on, on what's what what's happening across the board in in basketball in this in this country? Well, it's it's a sign of the times. I mean, with the transfer portal, things have changed. I mean, the whole, the whole complexion of your team could change over overnight. Um, and I think that's what happened with uh, the line I this year. Uh, you know, had some transfers come in, and uh, you know, it's. But on the other hand, too, I also think it it sort of damages young players as well because you know it's easy for them to quit, and when things aren't going their way, and they can they can just up and enter the transfer portal and go someplace else. You know, that's the one thing that wasn't uh, prevalent in my time because you know you, you had to stick it out. And if you did transfer, you'd have to go and wait to sit out a year um, to to be eligible to play. But you know, as far as the Illinois players are concerned, I still believe in, in recruiting your your home state. Um, but if there are players out there that can help your program from from different areas and different parts of the country or the world, then you got to recruit them. You know, because bottom line is the team first, and, and having our team be successful. And if we have to find a player and I don't care where he is in the world, if he can, if he can help us win. And if he wants a, a great, uh, Still I'm with... sorry guys, my, 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 my AirPod went out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If, if he, if he wants a, a great education, a great experience, then yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm in favor of bringing those guys in. Well, uh, I'm going to switch you over to the Bulls real quick because I want to hear your comments about them and where do you think they're headed and and what's uh, how's Io doing? Just give us a rundown. Uh, well, Bulls are going through a tough stretch here. You know, it's the team is like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. We can't figure them out this year because they'll beat every top Eastern Conference team, but then they'll lose uh, games like last night to the Oklahoma City Thunder who were 19 and 23 coming in and uh, you know lose against the Washington Wizards teams that they're supposed to beat uh, they lose to uh, but teams that they're not supposed to beat they, they win I don't I, I just don't understand it but you know I think that it's all about them being consistent in their play they don't play uh, say for instance I'll give you a perfect example Nikola Vucevic only had three shots in the paint last night in the first half he only had four points was two for four but then they switch it up. They start going to him in the second half, and he ended up with 19 points uh, simply because they were utilizing that big man. And, and I think that that's the one thing that they don't do consistently, play the game inside out. In today's era of pro basketball, you know, you have the three-point shooting and guys want to, 
to play on the outside, but the formula for winning is inside-out basketball. That will never change. Nobody will ever get me to change uh, that thought process in my mind. I don't care how many analytics they bring out. <laughs> I believe in having a big man throwing it into him and playing inside-out because it makes it easier for the guards. As far as Io is concerned, Io, Io is up and down this year, uh, but I still think that he's been playing well, um, still learning the point guard position at the pro level. But, uh, you know, I think that he has a huge, huge future. His contract is up this year, um, you know, because he was a second-round pick. He only signed a two-year deal. You know, I'm just hoping that at the end of the year we can keep him because I think he's going to be real expensive. <laughs> well, you know, you talk about him being a point guard, but I, an awful lot of the time I just see him over in the corner kind of waiting to get the ball or not getting it at all. I mean, it, it seemed like they run the offense away from him an awful lot. Yeah, he did. that that does happen with with players like Zach Levine and uh, Demar Derozan, and then uh, Nikola Vucevic. That's the pecking order in the, in the uh, right. in the score in, in in the as far as scoring is concerned. But what Io does, what he has to work on, is learning how to run a team, learning how to take the ball and say, "No, I'm not going to give it to you, Zach Levine, this time. No, I'm not going to give it to you, Demar Derozan, this time. This ball is going into Nikola Vucevic this time. That's what that's the next step." for Io to take, you know, to, to be a floor general that commands the the respect of the team. And he has to be able to be one of those guys uh, that uh, can run a team and, and make everybody better. You know, he, he does that from time to time, but not consistently. That's the next step for him. Kenzel, your uh, basketball plate's kind of full, isn't it? Uh, with uh, yeah. follow, following your kids, trying to keep uh, track of your alma mater and your job with the Bulls. It is, and then I got one that, that's a golfer too. So you know, I'm I'm really really busy, man. <laughs> hey, the one that's a golfer is a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. He loves it though. Good deal. Hey, we appreciate your time. We know you're busy, but it's always good to try, uh, chat with you. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. You bet. Thanks, Kendall. Kendall Gill with us in Chicago. You know, he uh, he made a comment there. He believes in inside out basketball. That means a postman. Right. And Illinois tried to play the first third of this season, or maybe a little more than that, without a postman. I don't think that, that they really understood or realized how effective danger was going to be. I mean, that's why he didn't start those first 12 games that they played. He was on the bench, coming off the bench, and did a heck of a job on occasion. And yet mm-hmm. on other times, he, he, was almost, he almost wasn't there, you know, and it was it was inconsistent in the beginning, which you would expect of any player starting out in their first college year, and uh, I think that once they uh, once they changed and and have have him in the post, it helped everybody. I think it helps the guard. That's what he said. I think it helps the guards to have a postman, and I think that's what's happening now. Right now, for Illinois, is that they're a lot better as 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 Izzo said, they're a lot better than they were four games ago. Right. And I think that's right. Four games ago was Northwestern. <laughs> you don't get much worse than that. That's when people were on the ledge. Oh, yeah. They were jumping. Yeah. <laughs> They're not only on the ledge, they were they were jumping. I tried to talk them off, <laughs> saying the ledge will always be there. <laughs> don't get, to, don't get to too premature on that. 943, phone line is open between now and 10. Coming up at 10 o'clock, Will Leach will join us. We've also... Uh, Got uh, scheduled uh, appointments with Doug Altenberger and Matt Stevens. We'll keep the phone lines open the rest of the way as well. We'll take a timeout now and be back with more after this. 
Hi, this is Preston Vanevere from Hobson Area High School Basketball. Monday, Illini Basketball will be in Minneapolis to take on the Golden Gophers. Hear the game here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Nine forty-five. Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk with the one, the only Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until eleven. With the phone line open, two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Had a question uh, on the text line: Was the uh, new guard from Italy on the bench last night, Moretti? He had not arrived yet. Nope, he's not here. Classes start Tuesday, and school starts Tuesday. By the way, the next second semester. So. We'll find out. By the way, they they had I did I didn't count the number, but the number is fifteen football players are here. New football players are here for the uh, spring uh, semester. Do you see that? That that means that you'll have all those guys out for uh, for the practice, and and uh, not many will help. But we know Altman uh, Altmeyer was there, the new mm-hmm. quarterback. Swanson also the other quarterback for the freshman quarterback. So they've got two new quarterbacks that they'll have at spring ball and all the other 14, 13 players that were there last night. Uh, and they, they had them during a timeout, and they welcomed them, you know, and the crowd cheered for them. That was, it, was, it was a great night overall. And it was, you know, uh, it, the suspense of being behind adds to the uh, excitement as the game comes down to the finish. If you're, if you're behind the whole game, you get the feeling, oh boy, you know, we're, maybe we won't win this. And I thought going into the game, I thought that the six and a half, the spread went from four and a half to six and a half, and I thought that's a little bit strong. And yet Illinois beat the spread. Yeah, and the over/under. I, when I looked at that, I thought that was a little bit uh, high, right. and it turned out uh, not to be. Um, oh really? What I forgot, was it? I forget now, but mm-hmm. one thirty-eight or something like that, because I've. I was thinking about that 56-55 win I, last year. I I was guessing that a score in the 60s, a yeah. high 60s, would win the game. As it turned out, Illinois finished with 75-66, to 66, and they finished so strong at the end. It just looked like, as Izzo said, we ran out of gas. And, I, you know, and Hall was hurt or, or, or something was wrong. I never knew what his problem was, and I should have found out. He They did mention that they – he took him out. He said he took him out with eight minutes to go, and I didn't completely understand why. But uh, well, that out of gas statement is something to to not uh, discount because Illinois has got a, that situation now. Two day preps on these games this week, mm-hmm. and they've got another one. They play at Minnesota at five o'clock. I think that start time is on on Monday. So quick turnarounds. And uh, that could play a, a Minnesota factor. coming off a great win. I mean, uh, yeah, who would have picked but that? Still, the last place team, and it, it's a great chance for Illinois to reach four and three in the Big Ten. And all of a sudden, you got at least a shot at second place if Purdue's going to win most of their games. Maybe you can't catch Purdue. I don't know, but uh, so far, Purdue's just uh, making a runaway of it. It looks to me like Matthew Meyer was one of the uh, stars of the ball game last night, and he jumped on with uh, Brian Barnhart and Doug Altenberger for a little bit after the game. Sounded like this. That was a good one. That was one of the best games I've ever played in. Just the, I know there's a history of this matchup, and uh, Coach Izzo and Coach Underwood are friends, but kind of enemies at the same time. So, uh, yeah, this was awesome. Talk about the stretch you got involved. Danger yourself and Shannon, but talk about that stretch where you were feeling it there. 
Man, they kind of uh, turn the game. Coach Underwood just does such a great job of getting the hot shooters going. Like, uh, I made one, and then he started running plays for me. It's really easy when your teammates are finding you and your coaches are calling plays for you. So I'm just lucky that I made some shots. Uh, and too, with you, where you were hitting that, some open jumpers, and then Danger, it opened it up for him in the paint area. You guys were getting him the ball, and uh, he really stepped up as well in the second half. Yeah, that's my boy. That's my roommate. I love Dane <laughs> well, I so love much. Okay. Uh, he came from Baylor, too, so we were at Baylor together. Um, I, I love Dane. Like, he's one of my favorite people ever, so I'm so happy that we both got to have a great game tonight. Talk about the fortitude of this team. You're down nine, getting out-rebounded on the glass by a really tough Michigan State team. What, yep. what did you guys talk about in the huddle? What were some of the keys to getting to turn the other way? Man, I was kind of just, like, not even listening. I was in my own head, so <laughs> it was one of those games I was just locked in, just trying to yeah. focus on my breathing and just uh, last through the 40 minutes. Yeah. What do you think of this crowd? Man, it's awesome. Yeah. Illinois has the best fans I've ever seen. I mean, they come rowdy every game, whether it's non-conference, conference, whatever. They're great. That's Matthew Meyer after the ball game. Lauren, do you ever get in your own head? <laughs> At times, <laughs> but uh, everybody has a a hot streak now and then, and boy, he, you could tell. And and it is great that he that he was able to make these comments about Underwood because it was exactly his comments mm-hmm. earlier, a mm-hmm. month ago, probably, that made everybody start have doubts about whether they were getting along. And when you see, there was a case last night. It's a, it's a typical example of Underwood stuff. Izzo. Uh, Hoggard made a really bad pass, really bad pass, and and uh, went immediately to the bench. And I mean, Izzo was in his face, and he talked back to Izzo, and mm-hmm. Izzo talked back to him. And I'm sure people there say, "Oh boy, now we got them in trouble because they're fighting with each other." Well, that's not necessarily true. Some guys uh, understand. That. I mean, some guys will respond to the coach in that way. And um, I think at that at the time that Meyer made his comments, he was upset about the way things were going. They're trying to play an, a defense that he'd never played before. That switch was not working. It, it worked at times. I mean, it wasn't totally ineffective, but it was it was bad enough that 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 they decided to change it. And uh, of course, the change came simultaneous with several other things, which is the arrival of danger and the loss. Of Sky Clark. I mean, all these things happen together. And the Sky Clark thing, I'll ask you, do you think there was a psychological uh, effect with the Illinois team with him gone that that might have helped turn them around? I think yes, but I don't think it had anything to do with Sky Clark in particular. I think, mm-hmm. you know, as Izzo said after the ball game, uh, addition by subtraction sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes fires a team up. I don't think it was anything personal against Sky Clark. I may be wrong. I'm not. No, no, the, no, I'm no. not in the locker room, but yeah, I think Sky Clark's under some some pressure from people around him, and I think that uh, is affecting him, and that's why he felt like he needed to step away. I think they're certainly going to support him in whatever he decides to do. Somebody asked me if he was going back to Kentucky. I have, I have no idea. Kentucky's kind of in a in well, a mess right now. Well, Kentucky's got a great. Well, first of all, he can't play this semester at Kentucky or anywhere right, else right, right. because he's played for Illinois. You, right. can, you can't play for two teams in in consecutive semesters like right. that. But uh, Kentucky's got some great players coming in, and and I think the evaluation of Clark is altogether different than it was before he hurt his before he hurt his knee, mm-hmm. and that knee injury took surgery, and there is a possibility 
that we have to consider that he's never been quite back to himself. And, you know, and, and for some reason that it really affected his shooting because he was not shooting well at all for Illinois. It takes a little time for guys to come back from different things, and uh, Matthew Meyer's a good uh, example of that. He came into yep. a new system, yep. and ha- he had some rough starts, and everybody's saying, well, he's not the guy we thought he was. And, and even last night, before he hit that hot streak, he was doing a lot of things. He, mm-hmm. he was blocking all those shots there in the first half and, and rebounding, and, and then he got hot, and uh, they were smart enough to stay with him. Yeah, six blocks. Can you imagine Holcomb had 11 blocks in one game? Derek Holcomb, back in the late 70s, mm-hmm. he went to Indiana, uh, enrolled in Indiana, played for Indiana, came back to Illinois, uh, transfers from Peoria, and um, he and Mark Smith were big pickups from Peoria at that time. In fact, they, start, they started a run of really good players, Altenberger, and of course, uh, several players from Peoria that have been successful. You um, mentioned the uh, Izzo Hogard uh, conversation. Well, Brad had one of those conversations with. Uh, Hawkins in the second half. I'm not saying he was yelling at him. I was not at courtside like I usually am, but maybe you heard something down there. I don't know. I, I he had kind of a one-on-one with him a little bit. Yeah, but not to the extent that we've seen before. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not, not where you, you know, you, you're yelling right in the face. Right. And coincidentally, that's kind of when they went on the run mm-hmm. at that particular point of, of the ball game. It was the combination of Meyer's comments after that game, one game, and the actions of of Underwood that have that caused the concerns that that maybe he had quote lost the team, and it did appear to me last night he had not lost the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt who's in in charge of that situation. 9.55 is the time. Phone line open, 217-356-9397. Back to football for a minute. Mm-hmm. We're still kind of waiting on the law firm, aren't we? Yeah, Johnny we're waiting Newton. on Randolph and Newton. And we, Randolph. Don't, we don't know what they're going to do, and I, we expect, I expect to hear today. But I, but I asked Kent Brown last night, I said, you know, is the announcement coming this weekend, or do you know? And he said he didn't know when the announcement was going to come. The, let's face it, there's a lot of, quote, negotiations going on and they're financially involved it's what we are in sports today and i think newton wants more money than than they're able to give him and i think my, the same might be true of randolph in other words they've they were going to get a substantial six-figure income just for playing ball next year from the university of illinois if they come back but it's got to be a higher six-figure number than, than, than the U of I wants to give, maybe. Well, what's the six-figure minimum number they would make if they make a, a team in the I'm NFL? I'm told 700000 but yeah. I, I don't know that— uh, I heard that, 750 I'm not sure Well, which okay. One. But I mean, either one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's over 700 but but that's an awful lot of money to give a, high, to give a college player, uh, particularly a lineman. Now, some of these quarterbacks are getting over a million. We know that. And I'm sure that's the case of some of the players that wound up at Kentucky and Auburn. But they're in the SEC, and they're trying to catch Alabama and Georgia and LSU. And, and in order to catch them, you're going to have to pay. And that's what they're doing, and they're outpaying Illinois by a big margin. And that's very difficult for University of Illinois to be successful under those circumstances Sure when, would when you're being outbought. Sure would be nice, though, to, to 
build that defense around those two guys again? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're the key to the defense. There's no question. If, you, if you've got those two, you go from, Steve, you go from having the best pair of defensive tackles in the Western Division next year, which you've got one more year of the Western Division, right. the best pair, and to having, oh, do I do want to say it? The worst pair? <laughs> I mean, if you lose them, you're going to be going down. And, and that's you, not a knock and, on whoever steps in there. It's just. And you don't have any depth there at all. Right. So we're just hanging on, uh, waiting for the, that news. And we've been waiting for several weeks. And we're getting a lot of announcements from other players that they're coming back. We see Casey Washington's coming back to play receiver. And, and of course, Griffin's coming back to kick off and kick extra points and field goals. And so. They're 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 okay with with some of the, with most of the positions are okay. They're going to have to rebuild the defensive backfield, but they do have a, a number of players coming in there to help or make that situation work. I don't see where they're really in any trouble anywhere. Even though they lost uh, Calvin Avery, um, Avery Jones, excuse me, Calvin Calvin Avery was, yeah. Even though they lost Jones, uh, Avery Jones. To uh, Auburn, Auburn, yeah. That they just there's nothing you can do about that sort of thing. But as I said, the money is so so strong out of the SEC that Illinois can't match it. But uh, I think they'll find a center. I don't know who it'll be, but they've got some options there. And and I think the rest of the offensive line solid. Uh, I I like the looks of the uh, new tight end. We saw him last night uh, when they announced the, the players that are that are arriving this semester. And so I, I think that uh, I think they're okay at most positions. We just got to have uh, a couple of defensive tackles. Let's take a quick call before we uh, hit the top of the hour. Bill calling from the state of Washington. Hey, Bill. Good morning, gentlemen. Question: um, The Big Ten and SEC are peers when it comes to um, income and relative size in schools and everything. If SEC schools are spending to try to catch up with Alabama and Auburn. Why isn't Illinois trying to spend to keep up with Ohio State? Well, they first of all they can't because they don't have a chance because they can't, they, because Ohio State gets all the better players. Secondly, we don't have near Let's as much money. Last year went to Jackson State. What's that? Best player in the country two years ago went to Jackson State. He said the best player in the country last year went or two years ago went to Jackson State. Okay, I mean that's. Are you trying to tell me that's normal? No, I'm trying to tell you that, that when you can buy players, you can compete if you want to. The problem is the Illinois doesn't have that much. The Illinois donors who contribute to Kathleen Knight's new uh, organization up there or the group down here, they, they, aren't anywhere near, they don't have anywhere near that much money, to the kind of money that's being spent in the SEC. We are, simply don't have people who are willing to give away millions of their dollars to, to make this Illinois football team. Now, we are getting millions. We have millions. We just don't have the level of millions that they have at, at uh, Auburn. Okay, if, you, if Illinois is not going to compete with Ohio State, then why are they in the conference with Ohio State? Well, they're in the conference it's because they, historically they're in the same conference. But what, you're, you're asking me if I think they can compete with Ohio State, and I'm going to say no. I mean... I, 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 but if it's... But that's the question that I would have for the administration: Is it, why would you compete in a conference in which you're not willing to compete? They're not. Con- they're not conceding anything. They're not conceding. I'm conceding. <laughs> well, that's a, <laughs> that's a big difference. 
I'm, and I'm not really conceding. I mean, when we play them, I got every hope that we might beat them. But you're not going to beat them overall. You're not going to. You're not going to have a better record year after year. They're going to have the better record, just like they have for the last hundred years. Well, listen, it's not a hundred-year problem. It's more like a seventy-year, sixty-year, seventy-year problem. But the uh, I just don't see the point in competing in competing in a conference in which you're not competitive. Where do you I, want I them to go? Think. What conference do you want them to go in? Um, it's not that I'm looking for them to move. I'm saying, and what I'm saying is, essentially, that they should be stepping up and competing. Illinois football stole money from the Big Ten Network for 20 years, not competing. And I'm and I'm happy they got Brett, and I'm happy they're doing much better. But they should be compete. If you're going to be in the Big Ten, you should be trying to win. They are trying to win to the best of their ability. Yeah, to the best of their coaching ability. The problem is that other people are buying players that, that we can't do, that we can't match. That, oh, it, it's all about recruiting. I mean, the, the coaches are doing as good a coaching job. They had one of the best defenses in the country this year. Right, but Illinois, Illinois, not in, Illinois, not Iowa. Illinois is just as big as Ohio. University of Illinois got one of the biggest alumni networks in, in the world. Well, now you're making the assumption that Chicago's in the state of Illinois. Is that correct? Is that is that, is that where we start? That's what the electoral college does. Okay. I guess that's where we start. Then Chicago's in the same state as Illinois, right? Yes. Okay. And so, and so, so are the counties around St. Louis. Okay. Uh, okay. The, the people in old, the and they're all they're all within one hour. They're all within a one hour plane flight of every team in the Big Ten, except you know the new ones, <laughs> except Rutgers and Maryland and and UCLA and and USC. It's the middle of the country. You're within a three hour plane flight from any, anywhere. You're a three hour plane flight away from USC. Hey, Bill, thanks. We appreciate your time. I'm up against the uh, top of the hour. We need to take a break. We'll have hour number two coming up on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk right here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the five-hour energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hour number two of the show. We're here until 11 o'clock. Glad you're with us. Thanks to Jack Ebling from East Lansing and Kendall Gill for jumping on in that first hour with us. Leading off the second hour with national columnist and U of I graduate Will Leach, who I'm told is getting uh, set to go to a Georgia championship parade. Is that right, Will? Yeah, my, my boys are having a great time watching the news helicopters go over <laughs> our house. Uh, they're really enjoying it. It's funny, I was talking to a lot of my friends here, and I was like, hey, so I'll see you guys at the parade. And they're like, 
Oh, we did that last year. <laughs> I'm like, wow, look look how quickly they go 40 years desperate for a title, then they win two in a row. It's like, I don't know, it's like 50 degrees. It's really cold. So it's funny how quickly you get adjusted to winning titles, I guess. Well, your thoughts on the way that the season ended, the, the last game wasn't too exciting, but uh, certainly a dominating season for Georgia, although they had a couple of close calls during the regular season, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, their closest game was Missouri, yeah. actually, until Ohio State, which is funny. There are a lot of people joking uh, around here that the college football playoffs should be number one, Georgia, two, Ohio State, three, Missouri, and four, Kent State, because those are the only games that were within 20 points all year. So, yeah, they were they were pretty dominant this year. And it's funny, you know, for all the talk, like Georgia was is great because obviously they, they're stacking together recruiting classes and Kirby Smart has really kind of put this – turn this kind of into a machine, but it is worth noting that one of the primary reasons they've won two national championships is because of a walk-on quarterback who was a fifth stringer just three years ago So, and was told to uh, go to junior college to work on his game and maybe they might use him as a preferred walk-on next year. So uh, certainly uh, for all the talent, you do have to have a certain amount of kismet and good luck, and I think that certainly they had that. I mean, after the game, Kirby Smart was saying, yeah, the thing about uh, you could say nobody believed in Stetson Bennett. You know who one of those people that didn't believe in Stetson Bennett was? Me, Kirby Smart, the coach, who kept putting him as the fifth-string quarterback for so long, and I had to be convinced myself. So, uh, you know, I think that for all the talk, like, Georgia's got this run, and they'll run forever. They're going to go for three in a row. You really, like, you just have to get some good luck, and certainly they, they, they got that with Bennett. Well, what do you see about the future down there? Is, is Georgia, do they have a legitimate shot at three in a row? I think so. I mean, the quarterback is a big question, but certainly talent-wise, they're stacked. I mean, if anything, I think this team may have been a little bit less talented than last year's team, as scary as that might be to kind of think about. So, yeah, I think certainly I, I think they'll be preseason number one. Uh, it's like no one has won three in a row since Minnesota from 1934. I think it's 33 and 34. We all remember those vaunted gopher teams from mm-hmm. 33 uh, to 34. So uh, I think that's something that people are actually, I think that is going to be kind of a motivator, motivator for them because I think it, there's a lot of excitement to be able to, to, to be able to do something that hasn't been done in so long. It'll be interesting too because it's one of the last years before the playoff and there's a lot of debate of whether it would be more difficult or less difficult to win a title during the playoff. On one hand, it's easier to get in the playoff. On the other hand, you have to play so many great teams once you get in the playoff uh certainly once georgia got past ohio state tcu was a fun story and they really had a great game against michigan but i think the talent disparity as we all saw was pretty dramatic uh, it's hard to find teams like that that to go through the cauldron of a big playoff to play like that in the national championship game i think it'll be tougher for a place like georgia to win uh, a championship once the playoff expands so uh, i think they're hoping to be able to take care of it their schedule is very easy next year it kind of works out very well so uh, I, I think they're pretty optimistic, and I think they probably should be. Is there any amount of money that the SEC schools won't spend on NIL to get the best players at their campus? Uh, it depends on which school, but uh, Vanderbilt is low. Okay. But, <laughs> okay. But, yes, but certainly, yes, I don't think there's any question about it. I think that, you know, I mean, this is a place that values – I mean, for kind of love, remember the COVID year and the Big Ten wasn't going to play? And then the SEC said, oh, yeah, we're playing. What are you nuts? What are we doing now? <laughs> like, we're, 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 in the, we're the South. The college football is the center of everything that we do down here. So at a certain level, and, of course, then the Big Ten immediately uh, decided they were going to play. But I do think that the value here of college football is 
so high. I mean, the, the amount of, of uh, money that's being put into these NIL programs is truly, like, shocking. I would argue potentially obscene with the amount of money that, that could be done maybe for some, like, more noteworthy things than the amount of money they're putting for, for NIL. But, yeah, I mean, the idea of you're telling – in the past, you would tell a rich donor, hey, so listen – Give us some money and we'll upgrade the facilities a little mm-hmm. bit. And maybe we'll have a better way to kind of convince someone to come. Now you're saying, hey, go give that linebacker $300,000 and he'll come here. And they're like, on it. And I think, that's, that's, I think that's really the difference that you're seeing. Do you see that as a kind of a, a normal amount? I mean, a couple hundred thousand for a really good uh, player. I mean, I'm not talking quarterbacks, but it, I mean, it looks to me like that, that this is a category we're falling into where it's going to take several hundred thousand dollars to keep a player yeah yeah you know it's fine. i've heard a lot of people talk about um like what's what's the actual market value of these players and and is this really a good investment and the answer is obviously no in a lot of these situations but people don't give money to like people don't pay sports don't pay their money to watch sports and devalue sports and want their team to win because they're wanting like a financial return on investment you, you know, they'll players will get whatever they can get to come to to come to the school so if you're telling a donor three hundred thousand dollars he's like am i going to get my money back no you're not going to get your money back but you but you you're not thinking about that in the time you're thinking about oh but we really are short a linebacker we really are short a linebacker and we really need one and i think when you get to that kind of levels of absurd amount of money that i think people have in a lot of places particularly some of these really wealthy donors it starts to feel like monopoly money <laughs> in a certain way. And I think that uh, uh, if I, I'll put it this way, um, I I'm obsessed with Illinois football and especially Illinois basketball. And I am not a billionaire and do not plan on being a billionaire anytime soon. Uh, however, if I were a billionaire and someone said, Hey, will, so literally the five best Illinois players will uh, all come to come to play for the Illini and win them a national championship. And it will cost the amount of money that, frankly, you won't even notice is gone, I'd probably do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably do it. So I, I think that that's the sort of level that the money that we're talking about here. Talking to Will Leach, let's talk some baseball. You write for MLB.com, among uh, others uh, that uh, you take care of during the week. But uh, uh, Cardinal Caravan was in town. They're all over the Midwest. And uh, Cubs, White Sox, they're doing events as well. Your thoughts, I know that uh, you're a big fan of the Cardinals. Your thoughts on what the Cardinals have done in the offseason thus far? Yeah, first off, thank you for having me on. There was some uncertainty whether I was going to be able to come on because I had failed several physicals uh, before to be able to come on the show. <laughs> like Carlos Correa. But uh, finally, we were able to get the deal together for me to come on. I had to take a little bit less from my usual fee, but, you know, it's worth it. We're trying to make the team win. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, know there's, I know there's a certain amount of frustration among a lot of Cardinal fans this season that they kind of, uh, they basically signed uh, Wilson Contreras and stopped. And I understand that. It was funny. I do a weekly, a regular podcast with uh, Bert, the great Bernie Miklas, so I believe it's, you, all, you all know, of course, a uh, longtime columnist for the St. Louis Post Dispatch, now writes for, for Scoops with Danny Mack. And he's a terrific writer, and we do a podcast together called Seeing Red. And I told him, okay, this offseason, every time there's a big piece of Cardinals news, we're going to do an emergency podcast. And so we did one with William Contreras, uh, when Wilson Contreras signed, and we haven't done one since. The Cardinals have not made a single major move since then. I see the frustration. I understand some of the frustration with that. I still think the Cardinals are the best team in the NL Central. That may be a little bit light by default. I think the Cubs 
are going to be a little better. I'm not entirely sold on, on some of their moves. I think that uh, uh, I do wonder if they are paying, if the Cubs are paying superstar shortstop prices for Dansby Swanson when they're really just getting an above average shortstop uh, in Dansby Swanson. But I do think that they're going to be a little better. And the Brewers, I think, are could be as good, but also you never know if the Brewers are just going to randomly trade away one of their best players for financial reasons. So whatever financial frustrations the Cardinal fans might have with them not doing more, I think the other teams in the Central have probably done less and are in a worse position. So I think the Cardinals are well positioned. Pitching is a little bit of concern, but I'm also glad they didn't go out and overpay for a veteran starter, veteran average starter that 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 uh, you'd kind of be uh, kind of paying off for for the next couple of years. I think I think it's I think they're the better the best team in the division. I don't think they're where the Dodgers are or the Braves are or the Padres are or the Mets are. But that's the way the playoffs are set up right now. You don't actually have to be that right now. You just have to win the division, and I think that's the strategy. You mentioned uh, scoops with Danny Mack, uh, Dan McLaughlin, and uh, mm-hmm. the Cardinals are looking for a new uh, television play-by-play voice. You got any info on that? Are you, what are you hearing on that? I've applied. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they said, uh, again, the physical got me again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, no, they. Uh, I know that they have reached out. That there's a very sad uh, situation with Dan McLaughlin. He said, so, you know, I think that uh, he's struggled with a lot of stuff. He's uh, from all accounts. I've dealt with him. He's a great guy. He's just, but I mean, you can't bring him back <laughs> after that. I think that, that I, I think they, they made the right decision. I think he probably understands that too. Uh, they actually reached out to Joe Buck and Bob Costas to do like a one year kind of pillow season until they found someone. I think that they turned out to be very busy with a lot of other things. <laughs> and, and so they're unable to do it. So it's going to be interesting. It, does, it doesn't sound like John Rooney, the radio broadcaster wants to do it. Uh, I think Mike Claiborne, who you saw here on KMOX a lot uh, was, they floated him. I think he doesn't want to, go off a of radio they i have to say i feel like they're probably kind of scrambling a little bit another issue frankly is that uh the company that owns Bally sports midwest is facing bankruptcy problems right now so uh there are there are all sorts of issues it's certainly the worst possible time for everyone to have that happen because you know mclaughlin was putting together uh like a, just a he could have been jack buck yeah. you know in, in in that town so i think that like I, I think that uh, there's a lot of frustration. But I mean, it's getting close. I mean, the first the first uh, spring training game is in a month, a little bit less, just a little bit more than a month. It's it's coming soon, so uh, they're going to have to come to a decision. My dream person is Jason Benetti, who is the Chicago White Sox broadcaster, who's done a lot of. Uh, he's a very very good broadcaster. Uh, he's done baseball. He's done a lot of college basketball. He works with Steve Stone. His contract is up at the end of this year, so I'm like, I think that was one of the things they were hoping to have like a one year holdover person, but. We'll see, but it will be strange. I got to tell you, it will be strange to watch Cardinal games and not hear Dan McLaughlin. He's been doing those games for more than 20, for about 20 years now. It'll be a hard thing to kind of wrap your mind up. Yeah, this would have been his 25th year in the booth with the Cardinals. Speaking of things to come, how about The Time Has Come, your new book? Is that that getting close? Are you talking about my new novel that that listeners can pre-order now wherever books are sold? Yes, I am. That was part of the deal. We give you the plug on that. Oh my goodness! Oh, I guess I I guess I did pass my physical. Uh, Yeah. So the uh, the the uh, the book is called "The Time Is Coming." Is my new novel, my last novel. How lucky! I was very fortunate to do very. It did very well. It was nominated for an Edgar Edgar Allan Poe Award and uh, and the uh, the ALA Alex Library Award. So very very fortunate. Let me do another one. So this one is. uh, It comes out in May on May sixteenth. I will be back in Illinois to come hawk it in person and sign it for whoever will have it. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's my, 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 my side gig of writing novels is 
getting close to becoming the main gig, which is a kind of weird thing to see happen. But uh, the book is called The Time Has Come. If you pre-order it, I will. Uh, if you like me hearing me on your guys' show in the morning, you should pre-order it because I'll do well enough to get be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like me, know that if you buy it, I won't come on anymore, and you won't have to listen. <laughs> to me. Whatever, whatever the listener wants to have happen, that's what will happen if you pre-order. Well, maybe we should do a, a signing right here while the show's going on some Saturday morning. I, I would be honored. I would be delighted. Like in all seriousness, like it, it is uh, one of the fun things now that you know the, how lucky my last book came out in May 2021, and bookstores were not really doing in-person events at that time. Well, they've that's opened up now, and it's very exciting. I actually, like, that was something I really kind of missed from the last release of the last book, as well as it went. I didn't get to do events. I didn't get to go to bookstores. I didn't get to do that. We're going to get a chance to do that this time, and that's, that's pretty exciting. We'll let you go with this. Uh, who's your vote uh, for the Big Ten Commissioner? Uh, again... I'm, I've applied. <laughs> Apparently, I have no executive uh, experience and have really have no idea how to do the job at all. Uh, I think, though, I, I'm so I like to, I don't know if Warren wants to leave in the ACC. I know there's been some discussion about. Well, that. If, I uh, guess if if you're going to insist, I'll take. Well, the, the, <laughs> the physical would be a definite uh, matter there. <laughs> the mental, the, the mental test would be where but, I would uh, fail, but. Uh, uh, but uh, no, I, I it's, listen. I think I'll, I'll put it this way: to talking about the previous commis, commis, uh, commissioner, I I don't think the job is as difficult as sometimes he made it seem. I would probably put it that way. I think that like the big thing is very, and some of those things he's helped out with those TV contracts. He has helped out. He deserves credit for that. But I think the key person you need is someone who is perhaps an improved communicator. I think that was really kind of the issue that we had with the previous commissioner. That, and that's something the Bears could deal with now. But I think at a certain level, having someone that is that feels like it's on your side and is like relatable and someone people can understand and is clear. Listen, whoever was going to go after Delaney was going to have a tough job. Uh, but I, I think it's a clear uh, opportunity for improvement. Well, I think Jim Phillips is a good communicator. Uh, I think so too. And I think that uh, Mark Silverman is an exceptional communicator and in the TV business, which is one area that you, you know, you need to have expertise, but I, I'm not going to let you go without your comments on the Illini basketball program. And, and oh. they seem to have turned it, at least uh, they're playing a lot better now than they were uh, a few days ago. It is remarkable to me to have been. I saw them beat UCLA in Vegas. I saw I was there in person for both that and the game in Texas and New York. And I thought, this this could be a fly in Illini type team. This could be a, like it really felt like at their peak they just looked truly incredible. And then we saw them against Northwestern. I would argue the Penn State game was even worse than Northwestern. The Penn State game to me was was really terrible. To see that kind of come around and I, the difference, what's interesting is even when they were struggling, the defense was still pretty good. Like the defense still was kind of holding up, but that's actually like the offense clearly has been the change. They seem to like each other again. There's actually like they run plays on offense. It's clear they've clearly figured something out there. But I would argue the defense has actually improved during this time too. You know, mm-hmm. I think that even when the defense was good, I mean, Matthew Meyer is playing fantastic defense. And for most of the year, I thought, well, you know, he, he won't give up more than he scores. So then we'll just hope for that. And he's been terrific down there. I think that's what's really kind of exciting now. There's still, you'd like more consistency. I know that even with the fun win last night, Hawkins really struggled for the first half of that game. And I think you saw the results when Hawkins is struggling like that. You need him to be, for a junior, to be a little bit more consistent. But you see it again, right? You see what you saw in Texas. You see what you saw against Texas. You see what you saw against UCLA. That's back, and that's exciting. And I tell you what, 
if this team gets it rolling again going into the tournament, and listen, no one's going to care if they don't make the Sweet 16. I, I, think, you know, I think we're at that point. <laughs> it's been so long since they made the Sweet 16, and I think that is the clear benchmark you need to hit this year. But if they're able to once again – go through this mid-season slump, unfortunately always happening around the Missouri game, uh, but go through this mid-season slump and then pull it together and figure it out, I kind of feel like that is a massive credit to Underwood and the coaching staff because there have been times where it, they looked completely lost and he has made a radical change mid-season multiple times now that has turned it around. So we'll see if it sticks, but certainly right now it's pretty exciting. Well, well we've got a call for you here, but I just want to say that the Missouri game was worse until you saw the Northwestern game, until you saw the Penn State game. <laughs> They've had some really bad games, yeah, it was and, cascading, and yeah. now they got three in a row. And and they, you know, this thing could be uh, extended. It looks to me like there's still a little part of me that's like, yeah, but like I'm now nervous about the Monday Minnesota game, right? Like I, we saw how bad they were against Penn State, Northwestern, and Missouri, and we know that's in there somewhere. And then a lot of it comes down to whether they're up for the game and they feel like it's a big enough game. So I worry a little bit on Minnesota, right? So there's a, that Minnesota just pulled off a pretty impressive upset of Ohio State. Illinois should win that game, but it's a it's a Monday holiday game, relatively early, quick turn after Michigan after a big emotional win. Uh, I think we'll actually learn quite a bit about them on Monday as well. From Columbia, Missouri, we've got a caller for you. Eric has a question for you. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, hi. Um, great show, guys, and thanks for coming on, Will. You're always such a fantastic guest. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, you had mentioned about uh, a good quality of the new Big Ten commissioner um, being a great communicator. And earlier, Lauren and Steve had mentioned um, that having some legal background would be a great thing. Now, I don't want to be the one undercutting Lauren's campaign <laughs> for Big Ten commissioner, but do you have any thoughts about Josh Whitman? I mean, that's a guy, remember, it wasn't that long ago. Who is this guy? He's working at this school in St. Louis. It's, it's not really Ivy League. It's certainly not Big Ten. He just been at a, what, a little school in, in uh, Wisconsin, and he, but he just seemed like he had these qualities. And I can't imagine that they're not considering him. And what are your thoughts on that? Um, don't, please don't do it, Josh. Exactly. I don't like, I don't like you suggesting it, but I, 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 I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it. I'm worried. I don't like that. You spoke it into the universe. I'll put it that way. Uh, <laughs> but I think I mean, you're right. I mean, like clearly uh, I would put it this way. I think there's still work in Illinois left to be done. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and so that to me, it would be a surprise to see him uh, leave mid for anything, really, uh, even something uh -huh. as big as that midstream. However, he's clearly a very smart, very ambitious guy. And you could argue that the ambition was to just get his alma mater, the place that he loved so much, back to the mountaintop. And I think he's well on his way to being able to do that. And we can, you know, maybe, hopefully that's the end of the ambition. He just wants to do that forever. But clearly, you know, you don't have the success that he has had and have the sort of influence. And listen, it's worth noting that one of the things that pushed Warren to really kind of finally make a statement with this, this week was it was reported, I think, by Adam Rittenberg and ESPN, that on the, the regular call between the commissioner and all the athletic directors, it was Whitman. It was like, hey, 
respond to the Bears thing. We need to know what's going on with that. You need to be clear with us on that. Mm. That's that's my AD wow. right there. That's my AD. <laughs> that's the guy. And I don't think he was saying it because he wants his job. I think it's because the, the athletic directors need to know if their commissioner is there or not. And I think that it speaks well to Whitman that he's the one that, that kind of brought it up because everyone was kind of talking about it. And I think that, I think that is one of the things that you really admire about him and one of the things that Illinois is so fortunate to have him. But I say fortunate to have him as if, like, they just went to an athletic director tree and like plucked him from it. Like he's an Illini guy. Like this is, this is who he is. This is where he wanted to go. This is where he wanted to be. And so uh, certainly it's hard to imagine him going to like another AD job that he might consider bigger. I think that this would be the spot on that. But yeah, if you're looking for what may, might cost you Josh Whitman, I don't think this time around, this would be the, that would be the right spot for him. But down the line, I think I, I think that uh, he has he has a sort of energetic presence. I think uh, would get anyone excited. And obviously, he's a smart guy who uh, has had a lot, who's clearly shown a lot of success. So yeah, it's a uh, it's uh, I'm, I, I'm I'm mad at you for bringing it up because it's not <laughs> in my brain. Uh, but uh, but but there, there, there's there's something. That I, I I think it's too early. But now I'm like, oh no. Now I'm just gonna be like, okay, who? I feel like it's like a Supreme Court court justice now. Like whoever gets the new job needs to be like 34 and have it for 70 years. So I know that <laughs> that women won't leave. I feel well, like that. We, we've only had five or six in the last hundred years. I mean, okay, we, well, there we're we go. going back to Griffith and all the way through, uh, all, you know, uh, up through Reed and and up through. Uh, the the very the various people that have had the job. I, this is the first time that anybody's walked out early. Uh, Warren is the first one to do that, and right. I would think that if Jim Phillips got it, he might have it for twenty or some right. years. And I, I, don't, I don't think Whitman can, if he's interested. I don't think he's interested. Although I guess I shouldn't say that because I don't know. But uh, if if he is interested, this is the time because the next person may be there for a long time and there, and there'll be another might not be another opportunity for him okay, okay now i'm mad at you warren like <laughs> <stop>. <laughs> so, but no i i get it i get it and and listen i think this is actually speak this actually speaks to your larger point lauren which is that like warren was not the right guy for this job <laughs> and i and i say and I, and I i don't think he's a bad guy and I, I don't think that i think there were some positive things that he did but like it never felt like a good fit he was always this, the media was always skeptical of them there was always this sense of like corporate speak and not really straightforward stuff and again anyone after delaney was going to be hard that was going to be hard for anyone to have that job afterward but i i i'll put it this way i don't know if there's a lot of people involved in the big 10 that that feel like oh no what are we going to do like they're not going to the big 10 is not going to turn into villanova after jay wright like i think there's a sense that uh that uh the big 10's in in good hands and they could perhaps even be in better hands hey eric thanks for the call we appreciate that and will always good to have you on we'll do it again soon enjoy the parade today <laughs> Again, if if I don't like this one, I'll just go to next year. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, guys. Thanks. Yeah, talk to you soon. That's Will Leach, U of I graduate, and always a good guest on this show. As we approach uh, the bottom of the hour, we'll take a time out and have more for you coming up. Stay with us on Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk. It is 10.33, a lot of on Saturday Sports Talk. Chugging along till 11 o'clock, 217-356-9397 is the number if you'd like to join us. 
lot of conversation on a lot of things on this January the 14th. Can you believe that January is half over? <laughs> no. Nope. You're a veteran guy. Is is time going by faster than it used to? <laughs> yes. Sure, sure seems like it. <laughs> Although it depends on your, your context, I guess. I'm, I'm coming off hip surgery, so that time's not going fast enough, and yet... <laughs> you just got to ride it out. Huh? And yet, when you think about it, it's, it's almost two months since I had that, so it is moving along. You're getting it, your evaluation when? Uh, the 23rd, a week from Monday. Okay. Is the two-month mark. They're going to turn you loose. You'll Watch be, out. You'll be running the marathon another no, week. I, I don't know about that. I can't go <laughs> sideways yet. <laughs> as long as I go straight ahead, keep hitting the ball straight, I'll be okay, right? Yeah, I got a knee like that. <laughs> <laughs> let's say, let's say good morning to Matt Stevens from Illini guys. How you doing, Matt? How how we doing, Steve? You getting off the crutches here pretty soon? I hope so. Um, <laughs> maybe uh, that that appointment I go to in Nashville here in a, uh, ten days or so will get that uh, done for me. I hope. But uh, they are kind of a pardon the pardon the pun. They are kind of a crutch. <laughs> they do. Uh, right. They do keep you going in the in a straight line anyway. So you doing okay? You yeah, hanging but, in there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, true words have never been spoken though, Steve Kelly. If you get the ball down the middle of the fairway, you're never gonna you're never gonna have to go sideways, right? Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to live by that or continue to to live by that. So uh, big win last night for the basketball team. Pretty impressive the way that uh, that game went and the guys that stepped up. Yeah, I, I thought typically with with what. You know, Illinois and Michigan State has turned into with Brad Underwood and Tom Izzo. It kind of turns into a Friday night fight, right? And for about 25 minutes, I really thought Illinois was going to lose the fight, and, and because of what Michigan State was doing in the paint and doing on the on doing on the glass, um, you know, Dane Dager needed help, and then he got it, and he got it in the form of Matthew Meyer, and he, and he got it in the form of you know, you know actually in, in Jaden Nets, who, who I thought played really really well on both ends of the floor, and. Um, and, and got it in the form of, of, of Terrence Shannon just kind of being a leader. Um, and so I, I really thought it was a, a, uh, a culture win for Brad Underwood. Is, you know, he, he didn't use those words. I, I almost guaranteed myself that he would when he walked in the post game. But I thought it was a big culture win because, you know, if you, if, you know, Underwood talks about fight and talks about, you know, physicality all the time. And I thought that they, uh, they kind of, you know, won that over a 40 minute battle and, and, I thought it was a, a big response for Illinois after especially how things were going maybe the first 22 to 25 minutes. Well, Matt, talk about the the uh, the big swing from the way they were playing earlier. What what Underwood has done in, in making a kind of a, a surgical uh, remake of this ball club in terms of what they're doing offensively and defensively. It, 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 he calls himself uh, stubborn, but uh, he wasn't too stubborn to make some changes. No, but they, it's funny how the changes, Lauren, are like they went back to what they did last year and then what they've been doing in the past, right? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I never really understood. Well, let's let's just start with the defensive end. Like I never really understood this idea that well, we have to switch everything because now we have so many guys that can play one through five. We can switch everything. I just feel like you know sometimes that's the lazy way to play defense because you get yourself in situations where you know you've switched yourself into exactly what the offense wants you to do mm-hmm. sometimes it's just sometimes it's just beneficial to fight over the top of a screen and some of these guys have been taught to do that their entire lives yeah. i never really understood why that was a big deal and then dane danger has transformed himself into one of the best rim protectors 
by doing the drop coverage, you know, and, and essentially the same thing that they were doing with Kofi, mm-hmm. but with maybe a, a guy that is a little bit more athletic and a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, I guess not stuck in the mud with his feet. Right. And so, and then offensively, they went back to what they did last year. You know, they, they're doing the spread offense and it's, it's based off of not just throwing the ball into the post like they did with Kofi with, with danger, but that's an element of it. And then I, I thought, with the inexperience that they have at guard, um, you're seeing guys like Matthew Matthew Meyer and and even Coleman Hawkins. I wrote about this yesterday. You know, kind of playing traffic cop for these freshman guards of hey, ball needs to go over here, um, ball needs to go over here, and you're seeing the ball pop more, and you're seeing the ball you know not get stuck, and you're seeing less dribbling um, in, in what they're doing now. And I, look, you want a Big Ten title doing what you did last year, you know all of it. And I think that Brad Underwood kind of just decided to heck with this. We've been doing this really, really well. I think you guys can adapt to this and, and it's really paid off. And now they've won three victim games in a row. I don't see them going away from it because I think the kids have really adapted to it. And quite frankly, kids like winning. And, and this is, this is produced winning basketball. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I, I, the, the decisions were kind of forced on him in part by the way uh, Danger has forced himself into a lineup that I think when the season started, I don't think he had intention of starting him. I think he was going to bring him off. The, he even brought him off the bench when he scored 20 points. You know, I mean, after he scored 20 points. And uh, it, it's interesting to me that he, that all these things have kind of come together. Do you think that the Sky Clark thing, and I asked Steve Kelly this earlier, had any kind of a psychological impact on the team to cause them, because it all happened about the same time. Yeah, I mean, Tom Izzo made reference to it, of addition by subtraction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Tom Izzo. I, I know that Brad Underwood has to say it's not addition by subtraction. You know, we, you know, we are, but we, Brad Underwood kind of suggested, hey, we saw this coming with or without Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I watched them in Evanston, and they, they, looked, they looked absolutely terrible, and they basically, from a body language and a – just a mental emotional standpoint just looked checked out. Um, and, and, and uh, look, Tom is a hall of famer. He's seen Illinois before Sky Clark left. He's seen Illinois after Sky Clark left. And I agree with him. I think it's a different, it's a different team, but I also think um, they're doing some things that they did again last year that helped them win a big 10 title that I thought were, were quality things that you can do in the course of a regular season. Matthew Mayer mentioned it. We're not pressing anymore. We've ditched the press, which I thought, yeah, go ahead and ditch that sucker because the only thing that was doing for you was giving up easy baskets sometimes and layups and dunks. And because, you know, you, you were, you know, his teams would, would break it. And then basically now you've got a three on two or a two on one. So, um, they they they've ditched that, and you weren't getting any turnovers or, or or anything defensively out of that either. So these guys have basically kind of gone back to a, a a traditional way of playing under Brad Underwood that has has produced results. And I think that Brad Underwood kind of realized, you know, I know I we we, we wanted to evolve, quote unquote, evolve into you know a different form of basketball, and 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 that's 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 cool and everything. But by New Year's Day, they were just back to everything that has worked for them in the past, and I. I, I don't necessarily know if we're going to get that narrative ever again. Of, of, and I think you're right about danger because the, the idea was they were going to play Coleman at the five, but the Coleman danger thing at the four and the five has worked out so well. I think they can go back to what they were doing in the past. Talking to Matt Stevens, a couple of more minutes with uh, Matt. Let's talk football. 
where mm-hmm. everybody's kind of waiting to hear what uh, Johnny Newton and uh, Keith Randolph are going to do. You got any inside uh, scoop on that? I don't. I, the, the, the prevailing theme is that I think that Keith Randolph needs another year to prove that he can he can do this and, and, and to, to really, um, I would say, put a rocket up his uh, uh, draft stock for next for the following year. I think that that's the prevailing theme. Um, Donnie Newton seemed to know what he wanted to do in Tampa and just didn't want to tell everybody. Um, and, and I, I, I just, I, I don't think there's a number that Illinois can get to from a pay for play standpoint. That's going to keep him in, at Illinois. I could be wrong. He could decide to come back and that's perfectly you know, his decision to do that. But I don't think that Johnny Newton, um, has wavered in his decision by the time he got to Tampa. And, 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 and I think he knew that when he was going to have a hundred to 120 people at that game at home in Tampa, that that was probably going to be the last time he was going to wear an Illini jersey. But I could be wrong, but, but I do think you're going to, the, the prevailing theme is that I think you're going to see two distinct decisions here because I think Keith Randolph knows he needs another year in college and Johnny Newton, I think, knows that he doesn't. Well, uh, do you see anything else there? Any other changes uh, happening at the last minute? In terms of well, player player personnel, you know those guys. We saw fifteen new guys coming out there yesterday on the basketball right. court, and uh, the ones that will be re- that will be reporting to school on Tuesday. And I just wonder if you see anything else happening with the re- re- with the veteran players, uh, one way or another. I said we had Casey Washington announce he's coming back. We got Griffin coming back for a sixth year. Uh, do you see anything else changing? I don't. Um, Until, I was happy to see Isaiah. I said I was happy to see Isaiah Williams say that he was coming back. I think he felt bad about some of the things that he said while he was in Tampa and I don't know if a lot of that was fair because I think we put him on a spot talking to him about Corey Patterson going to Purdue and um, and then he made the comment you know the plan as of now is to come back to Illinois I was glad that he did that um, you know I, I, I just I, I just I don't um, I, I think they're working right now on trying to secure maybe one more commitment to this 2023 class and then this weekend was a big junior day that they're going to try to hit from the 2024 class. But I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think they're going to be as active in the portal. Um, you know, before this window closes to where kids can get into the portal, I think on the, um, um, by the end of this weekend, I don't think they're going to be as active in the portal. Um, I think they're going to kind of let spring play out and then we'll see what happens when the second portal window opens after spring ball closes. So, I think that's kind of where the roster is headed right now. I think you're, you're waiting on the law firm, and that's that's about what um, you, you need to see in order to solidify what this team's going to look like in the spring. Hey, Matt, always good to catch up with you as well. We appreciate your time. We'll do it again soon. Have, have a good one, guys. Have a good weekend. You too. That's Matt Stevens with the Line Eye Guys at 1044. We'll take a break, and we'll be back and talk things over with Doug Altenberger after this on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show, 1047. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Doug Altenberger is with us on the telephone. Doug was in town working the ballgame last night with Brian Barnhart. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Good, good, good. It's uh, always good to... Get a W, and uh, that was that was quite a game we had last night. That was an old-fashioned uh, 
big boy, uh, physical Big Ten game. It was uh, fun to be there. We talked about the uh, 10 blocked shots, six by Matthew Meyer, and I'm told sources indicate that you were talking to Brian Leonard on the phone this morning, uh, coincidentally, yeah, yeah. speaking of blocked shots, right? <laughs> yeah, Brian and I are, are, had breakfast this morning and uh, catching up. Or he watched the game last night, and then um, – uh, Scott Mentz was in the house, uh, so I went up, got to spend some time with him after the game. And one of my all-time favorite uh, uh, teammates, Quinn Richardson, was at the game. So uh, in the last 24 hours, I've seen three of my old teammates, and uh, it's good to connect with them and see how their families and everything doing. So, but uh, yeah, Brian's doing good, and uh, he lives up here in Barrington, and he's got three kids, and so our kids are pretty much the same age, and well, went to the same high school, so uh, small world. Uh, by the way, did you uh, ask Quinn Richardson about his grandson who plays football for Michigan? I heard he's not entirely happy with his uh, special teams uh, work there. I mean, that he, he likes the special teams part, but I think he wants to be on the offensive end too. Well, uh, I did – Apple uh, – his nickname was Apple in college. So um, so I, I was talking to Apple, and he, he said that, uh, you know, uh, he didn't tell me much, but, uh, you know, he uh, – He's uh, obviously big Illinois, and you know, and I'm sure he's. Uh, if there's if there's any uh, breakdown there at all, maybe maybe uh, we can switch him over to orange and blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was talk about that. I know we did recruit him, but uh, that's another story. Uh, what's what's your take on the massive uh, overhaul that Underwood has done with the team, offensively and defensively, going back to? To some just a, a original uh, play that we that we saw under when, when we had Co- uh, Kofi Coburn. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, I, I just felt like the offense that they were running is an offense that you'd have to have experienced guards. Um, you have to have, uh, you know, you can't. You know, it, 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 it was a good idea, but um, to, to do that with all the new faces. Um, Maybe maybe we're all asking a little bit too much or expectations, and uh, they were very stagnant. Um, I think with the with going back to, um, you know, I call it the like pinch post type, where you've got Donji, I mean Dane, and you've got uh, Hawkins getting that ball at the free throw line, and being able to make some cuts, make some movements. It's you know it's very intentional, uh, and it just gets everybody moving. And then they can reverse the basketball, and they start to do stuff now. You know, against Michigan State, they were standing a little bit. You know, Brad was telling on the sidelines, hey, get moving, get moving. Um, and, again, I think part of that is there's so many new faces. You know, sometimes they got to get things set up, and guys got to get in the right spot. And uh, they can get a little, um, you know, uh, not lazy, but, you know, trying to get everybody in that spot. So I think uh, offensively it helps um, – when they get that ball movement, then Shannon, things opening up. And I think they're, it's, it's, uh, it's a little more simpler for them. So I think it makes more sense for them. And, uh, and then, you know, Brad talked about, uh, finding uh, Dane and Matt and those guys were, you know, had a two man game going and, you know, kept it simple. And, and, and that, that play alone, we ran it probably six, seven, maybe even eight times in a row. And we came up either with scoring or get to the free throw line. And Michigan State was getting tired. Um, I think defensively, um, you know, I'm old school. I think the switching thing was uh, created a lot of mismatches for us. And uh, I think like last night, 
you know, we were able to put apps on Walker. Walker has hurt us. He killed us last year up in East Lansing in the second half. Epps just locked him down. Um, I thought Shannon played great defense on uh, Hogard and um, really slowed him down. He made scored some points, but he wasn't able to operate. And, and he was the only guy that could stop him. I mean, he would have had 30. Uh, Melendez was really struggling with him because he's a little bit more physical. And then uh, I thought Dane played great defense. So, you know, it's easier for a player to just say, hey, I'm going to guard this guy and I'm going to stick him and, you know, and, and pressure. You know, Bill Self came in when uh, after he came to Tulsa and he said, hey, I'm going to play three quarters full pressure. It, it doesn't work in the Big Ten. I, don't ask me why. It's an older league. Um, you know, you can't pressure good guards. I mean, we played Oklahoma when I was in school and Bruce, they pressed and Bruce Douglas was, you know, just completely shredded them. Um, so it's, if you got good guards, pressure doesn't really work. Well, you know, I, I keep t- telling people that. And, you know, well, they see a little pressure happen. And, oh, boy, we stole the ball. And then look what we did in those three, four minutes. Well, and and I'm, I just say, look, it won't work in the long run. And it's certainly not going to work against goal. Michigan State. I know that. Well, in the first half, we were gambling. And, and that's how they got some easy baskets. And, um, you know, you got to, you, you know, if you're going to steal the ball, you better steal it. Because if you don't, um, you know, Michigan State may have pay, pay the price. So, I, I think I think defensively we're, we're understanding what what we're what we're doing. Guys are understanding it. The offensive end it's only going to get better and better. And I think there's the upside of this team. I think they're a great defensive team. You know, we got pounded on the boards uh, last night, and I think that's an area where we really sometimes uh, you know we we um, some of the guys on the team. Um, are busy worrying about some other stuff and you know rebounding is a is more of a you know mindset but i think um you know defensively we're we're, we're we don't get enough uh um i don't know respect or you know uh, people don't think of understand how good a defensively we can be and, and we can even get better so i i, I you know it's uh you know it's i think i think december was a tough month both for the both for the guys and I think even for the coaching staff because they had to they had to scratch everything and work from backwards and there's a lot of work done. I mean a lot of late nights trying to figure this thing out and then, you know you got Sky leaving and that that part of it. So it just seems like the team got through all that and they they found a way to win last night. I don't think they particularly played played great, um, but they made the plays and they got the stops down the stretch and. They won the, won the game, and that's that's what it's all about. Another minute or two with Doug Altenberger. Uh, talk about the development of Dane Danger. I, I think uh, none of us really knew what uh, what Brad Underwood might have with Dane, and I I think we're starting to see that, and uh, how much better can he get? Well, I mean, there, there's an example of, uh, you know, we can talk about Kofi, we can talk about Georgie, and, and now we got Dane. Mm-hmm. So um, it's about uh, evaluating, recruiting guys, seeing something that maybe nobody else sees and then putting him in an environment um, where he can, you know, develop and, uh, and improve as a player. So last year, you know, I got, got, went against Kofi. Um, I always used to say my freshman year, I had to guard Derek Harper every day in practice and um, no offense to the rest of the guys. I played the, the next three years who I guarded, but there wasn't anybody who was as Derek Harper, maybe other than Len Bias. So, you know, Dane's learned a lot from Kofi, um, He's, he's, he's gifted. He's got great footwork. Um, and the, you know, he, he's, he's, 
he's something that we need really badly, uh, and that's post-play. Um, he just creates mismatches down there, um, and you and people either got to double-team him, which they haven't, and he goes one-on-one in the post, and with, and uh, he's very patient, and he gets, that, gets you on the hip. He plays sort of old-fashioned basketball. So, you know, he's uh, – uh, I mean, he's just going to keep getting better and better, and, and, the, and the stronger he gets and the more stamina he has, the more he can play, and, uh, you know, he can be a little more physical down there. But, you know, even against Nebraska, uh, he played great defense. Uh, he's smart. You know, he didn't reach. He stayed vertical, uh, played great defense. So he's, uh, you know, um, everybody talks about perimeter players, but, uh, you know, going down the stretch, you know, uh, you know, if you can get that ball inside and he's making free throws, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a weapon. Uh, and you can use that definitely, uh, you know, and we always to say Bill Cartwright when, when, with the Bulls, he would, he would score the first couple points in the, and then you wouldn't see him most of the game. And then at the end of the game, guess where the ball went? Even, uh, with, you know, the last two or three minutes of Bulls game, he'll go down to, to Cartwright. So those big guys are, are your safety valve on offense and we've got a good one. Hey, Doug, appreciate it. Uh, good to talk to you as always. We'll do it again okay, soon. Guys. Thanks, Doug. All right, go line You bet. Doug Altenberger with us from the Chicago area. 10.57, a break, final break, and some final words after this. Stay with us. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. The Lanai Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. PellaofChampaign.com. Join us for Fighting Illini Women's Basketball at Minnesota, 2 o'clock on Sunday. As Shauna Green's team goes for another Big Ten win, coming up Sunday at 2. The 24th ranked Illini women's team uh, back in action tomorrow. That'd be a good one to get on the road. They've got Indiana coming up next week, too. Yeah, that's a big one. I'm going to go to that. I, I'm looking forward to seeing them play Indiana here. They came so close to beating Indiana over there, and that's a big assignment. That's a tough team to play. A lot of basketball talks and football talk as well. A lot going on. Uh, wrestling, track and field, men's tennis, gymnastics, the swim and dive team, all in action over the weekend for uh, University of Illinois. For all the high school scores and highlights and game coverage, check out today's edition of the News Gazette. Thanks to our guests, Jack Ebling, Kendall Gill, Doug Altenberger, Will Leach, and Matt Stevens. Mr. Tate, you're going to watch some hoops. Wisconsin at Indiana is the one Big Ten game today. I'll watch it. And some football, too. NFL playoffs begin today. Appreciate your time. Thanks to Dave Leak, our producer on the show. Right here, and we'll talk to you next week on WDWS. Champagne Urbana. Steve Kelly, have a good weekend, everybody.